Welcome to Cannabis Data Science, one of the best meetups of the week. Hopefully you're in for a treat today. We've got Flow Gardens with us, a cultivator leading the scene, and there's going to be lots and lots to talk about. This could be one of the coolest meetups to date. And going to get back to the traditional meetup style, if that's something that you're all interested in. The past few weeks, I've been preparing some fairly dry presentations, which hopefully you can find some value in. Today, put together a report of some of the statistics that I find interesting, but it's a meetup after all. So today, we'll be meeting with David Miller at Flow Gardens. And of course, the regular crew is here. We've got Ruth, Christina, and Graham joining myself. And we can pick the brains of David. As a bit of an introduction, this past week, while I was bedridden, I had time to go through this HHH or this HHS letter to the DEA. And I, I thought this was quite informative. And I'm working on an article now that I'll get in front of you all. But it's just so curious the current state of the cannabis industry. And I thought, well, there's no better person to have on and to really talk about it today than David. And I maybe not want to, you know, tread too much on on his toes here, but just just for a bit of a background. As we all know, cannabis has been gradually permitted in various extents all across the country. We're seeing it in one state after the other. And then curiously, there was the 2018 Farm Bill, which led to an explosion of hemp products across the country. And I've had my fair share of hot takes on this, but I'll let you all think of your own thoughts, comments, and questions. But the what my current view, and then we can get to David, is I find it so interesting that even the Assistant Secretary of Health, Rachel Levine, uses the language of Delta 9 THC in regards to hemp. And this is potentially a big change from just talking about total THC. Once again, it may or may not be anything because even Rachel Levine in her letter notes that, oh, you know, what is the current status of hemp? Um, you know, it may or may not be clear. But regardless, The philosophy here at Canlytics is not to necessarily sit idly by. And I would like to, I guess, do a spotlight this week for Flo Gardens, who's a cultivator who's not stand, standing idly by. And they're producing some top grade hemp products in Tennessee. And we can have a real long, hearty discussion about that today. And I just would like to say that whatever the, the current status is of this, I, for one, have made it clear that I'm for seeing the cannabis industry more widely accepted and permitted. And, you know, if some of the politicians are going to sit around with their heads in the sand, then, you know, why not 
see how far forward we can move things. So without further ado, I want to give you all a warm welcome to David Miller at Flow Gardens. And David, maybe I'll let you do a better introduction into your company, but I would just like to, to, to leave my thoughts um, there and then we can get into a nice discussion where it's, hey, you know, I, I've been in the business of measuring THC and THCA and Delta 9 THC for a long time. And I'm ex excited to see people on the East Coast having an opportunity to push the envelope. So I'll have some more thoughts to share. But David, feel free to, to give it a nice introduction to yourself. Yeah, thanks, Keegan. Uh, glad to be on here. And Hello, everybody. Sorry, I cannot get my camera working. That's as I mentioned to Keegan. That's not a common occurrence, but um, I uh, did. Those are some very intriguing and interesting questions. Um, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head when you're high level describing us, Keegan. So I can I can leave it at that. As far as your um, reference to the the HHS letter to the the DEA. The whole debacle around descheduling and or rescheduling cannabis from one to three, I think that'll have some uh, pretty impactful implications regardless of what route they choose to go. Um, I think it definitely opens up the door for big pharma, which is um, uh, an initial uh, red flag and concern for me, but um, if it loosens the restrictions, it's better for the plan. And this, you know, these rules that have been in force for quite some time federally, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they're going to unwind it with political interests involved and, and the people voicing their opinion. And um, well, so, well, yeah, we're, we're, go ahead, Keegan. Sorry. Well, not to interrupt, but. The descheduling, rescheduling isn't necessarily why I even brought this up. The main reason oh. I brought this up is I think people have been, you know, a little uncertain as to say, you know, what is is hemp these days? And we saw that there was the proliferation of the CBD products when the farm bill came by. And what this actually reminds me of is there was, I want to say, a Supreme Court case in 1969 with um, perhaps with Leary. And I think that's what originally may have opened the door to cannabis, but then they immediately shut the door the next year in 1970 with the, this Controlled Substance Act, which um, is what cannabis is now on. And what it looks to me like is it's not clear, but Congress may have accidentally permitted a wide swath of products to be defined as hemp in 2018 by accidentally using the Delta 9 THC language instead of the total THC language. And what it looks to me like is in a jokingly way, but cannabis, and none of us really have realized it, but in this fashion, has accidentally been legalized for six <laughs> years now. And maybe they're scrambling to maybe put it on schedule three or something to uh, kind of close the loophole or something. But I guess that's my main uh, question to you is, you know, because how's your company handling the so i basically just so all of you know i we put together a the quick report with and i'll share this with the, the meetup afterwards but it, we just flow gardens has all of their coas on their website um and so i just did a quick look and Long story short is your flower is falling under the Delta 9 0.3% threshold. 
and I was just wanting to know, you know, is that something you want to talk about? Like, how do you, you know, approach that? Or I don't know, what, do you, what are your thoughts on, you know, how you're able to grow hemp to meet that, that threshold? Yeah, that's a, that's a, it's a delicate question. Um, we, uh, we strive to maintain compliance with the Tennessee Department of Ag is the regulating body here here for us, um, and you know we, we follow their testing standards to a to a T. They're they were actually just here before your podcast started, Keegan. Um, they're they're in here every every month, and one of the things that I think you're right. Uh, I believe that you're accurate in that the um, lawyers slash politicians did not understand the plant and uh, the D9 um, characterization as far as whether it is hemp or whether it is marijuana um, has has come back to, to bite them. <laughs> um, because if it is under 0.3% at, at testing, um, which which can be at harvest time there are strains that um, are marijuana strains that are can be characterized as hemp and I think the whole you know as as the Tao Te Ching says resistance builds greater resistance you know the whole hemp versus marijuana um, division I, I don't think that even needs to be divided it's it's one plan. I don't think you can characterize it as hemp or marijuana, especially when you're looking at people's health and the beneficial aspects, because what you're essentially saying is it's okay if you want to grow um, in the marijuana market, a marijuana product that has hemp in it, meaning the cannabidiol, um, which is traditionally almost exclusively, obviously you have some CBC, CBDV, um, CBG, some other plants, but which is almost exclusively what hemp is, at least in the consumables market, taking out rope and things like that. So um, they're they're in a bind, <laughs> not only federally but also from a state perspective. We had a we had a meeting, Keegan, um, a public hearing at the Porter Building in Nashville, Tennessee's capital, and they're trying to ban CBD. Uh, practically speaking, by changing the testing standards. So all our genetics that we've been um, banking over the past four years, if, if the rule change, um, it's not a law change, it's a rule change for testing, that actually goes through, then we cannot sell any CBD. Um, and we we'll have to get rid of all of our genetics. So there were... 200 people in that room. There were 2,000 public comments, which is just quite overwhelming when you look at just a standard public hearing. And you know, the, the people spoke, and there were a lot of political action committees, a lot of 501c6s, 501c3s there. And I, I do think that the, the government is starting to, to see where the momentum is swinging when it comes to this plant. And the benefit it can have for for most people and i think that's an important piece is that cannabis has wide public support i mean if you look in most polls there is the the national survey on drug use and health and in there i think they poll people on their support for cannabis and it's the usually the majority of people are for it and uh, you know not to get too philosophical and then we can get back to your results here but you know that's what are you know countries kind of founded on right if you've got these sort of nonsensical rules um and you know the the public doesn't approve of them then hey will you know read the law the way it is written and you know if it so happens to be nonsense then that's their fault and 
we're, we're Americans here and we're gonna we're gonna push the envelope on this one and that's kind of my current stance is I don't necessarily see anyone out there enforcing against hemp companies and you know it may be one of those things where you know say the the DEA right I'm sure there's old sticklers there who are, who are not happy about this interpretation but it could be one of those things where they clearly have bigger fish to fry that aren't being fried and I don't think anyone wants to just come and uh, you know start closing down a bunch of hemp operations where it's 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 not real clear uh, what hemp companies like should be shut down, if any, and then that would be a whole can of worms. It doesn't seem like there'd be large public approval for that. And now you even have basically business associations. So there's, um, I'm sure there's various agricultural bodies that are kind of starting to get behind this and saying like, hey, you know, we want permission here to to grow hemp. So, um, I'm I'm torn because it, it's you know I worked at a laboratory and you know we spent a lot of time you know measuring so to, oh, total THC. This is how it's written in the law, but I just think it's funny that well it's it's one of those things with the cannabis space where it's uh, dangerously funny, but it's it's interesting that they've now come out with this interpretation of delta 9 thc whether it means anything i'm not a lawyer so i can't tell you but i'm all for you know uh taking taking a mile when you're given an inch so to speak but but that's that's all the philosophical jargon that I have to say. So I don't have too much more to say unless anyone else in the audience does. But I would actually kind of like to start picking your brain about some of your genetics, because that's what I'm more interested in, right? As we both agree, hey, this cannabis plant's mightily interest, interesting, and people are quite interested in the chemical components of it. And just so the, the audience can see, this is basically just a the quick report I put together. And once again, I got this data from your COAs, um, but, 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 uh, but just keep in mind that uh, I did use AI, so there could be like some mistakes here. But long story short is I just wanted to get a quick snapshot of oh, what are some of these genetics that you're growing there? And I just think it's really cool that you're, you have a really interesting mix of genetics compared to a typical cultivator that you may see. Because look at this. I don't want to say half, but maybe more than half of your strains. I'm not sure if you can see my screen or not, but I'm showing you just a, a report I did of some of your strains. But it looks like around half of them are high CBD. And we're talking really high CBD levels, um, right? You've got this one strain. And if the data is correct, uh, but, but, but by this orange glaze, perhaps, is testing north of 15% CBD. Um, so I, I just wanted you to maybe pick your brain on that. like. Um, how is it growing this mix of strains? So this, so so you've got these type threes, high CBD, the type twos, like your Bordeaux and Bob, which are kind of half and half, and then your, of course, your classic, what we would think of as like the THCA strains, like your Blue Dream, um, and your Mac. So I I don't know. Would you want to speak to that? So you've got an awesome arsenal so we'd love to hear about your strengths sure um well i can uh say i think our most unique strain is bob 
And that, as you can see from that chart, it's almost right at one-to-one -one, uh, with the ratio of, of THCA and, and, and CBD, which is quite unique. And if you look at some of the uh, data in the report that, that you sent, um, it, I think it said it was most aromatic. Um, oh, or no, no, it, it was in, it was in the, that, sorry, that's, that's the notes that I wrote down. Bob was, I think in the bottom decile or maybe it was in the bottom 20%, um, around the aromatic, but that is the most pungent flower that we have or aside from our, our OA Mac or orange apricot Mac. So I thought that, that piece of data was interesting because that's, um, it smells like an armpit with, with fruit, if that makes sense. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk about this data real quick. Um, so basically, one, th one thing that's really cool that you have going at Flow Gardens, and I want to really give you props here on your website, because th this is a, a just a perfect example of a good website for a cultivator. So you, you've got all your strains here. You have all the, the COAs. And you also have a place for people to leave their reviews. So you're, you basically have all the pieces to, you know, really analyze your production process. And I just scraped the surface. Um, so basically, uh, hopefully it was okay with you, but I just basically aggregated all of the review data and put it with the various strains. And I just did a tiny little bit of natural language processing, which is all the rage these days, which is basically just looking at the, these bodies of text and seeing what data we can't extract from there. And there's probably a lot more you can do with this, but what I did was, I just looked at the strains and calculated what percent of the reviews mention effects of some sort, or they mention aromas. Um, so I think you were saying, Bob, only like 20% of people are mentioning the aroma in the review. So it could just be a fluke, um, but, uh, But what I what, but what I did uh, but so whether they mention aromas or effects, um, it could just be a quirk of the reviewer. But one but the chart I like here that I think really speaks to the strains is for all the reviews you can basically calculate what's called like a sentiment score, and so I just have this score going from zero to one. So zero, they really have a negative review and one, it's insanely positive. And so you can basically see, you can basically measure, you know, how positive or negative some of these reviews are. And um, so this one may, eh, that one's maybe not the most positive but then this one is short but sweet, hits all the right notes, true classic. So here, Bob is ranking at above average. So it, you know, people are kind of having a good reception towards that strain on average, in my, in my opinion, um, from looking at this data. Yeah, Keegan, and I think that, uh, one, you did an amazing job structuring the data the way that it is in this report. And we probably don't have enough um, volume for you to get an accurate depiction as well. So um, certainly not criticizing the, the accuracy of your report. It's, um, I, I, think, I think it's great. It just there aren't very many reviews on these, uh, <laughs> which, is, uh, which may contribute to the, the discrepancies. Well, you are, of course, thinking like a statistician, right? 
we want the number to go up. We want a, a large sample size. Um, so, hey, if you're a, a Flow Gardens consumer, you know, come uh, leave your reviews. Um, <laughs> but, but anywho, yeah, if you solicit uh, reviews from people, then this is at the moment one of the most interesting types of data. And it is a small sample size, but it's so tailored to you, right? These are reviews of your products. So it's just going to be so much more hopefully applicable than say, you know, reviews on Leafly about Blue Dream, so to speak. Um, but, but actually here, why don't I just quickly show uh, the, the meetup real quick, the, the report as a whole, and then we can maybe talk some more about the strains. Um, uh, just to kind of guide the conversation a little bit. Then I would love to kind of maybe get back to Flow Gardens. Um, but the long story short is we've, you know, collected the strains from Flow Gardens here. We looked at the reviews. Um, we did the, the color metrics for the strain images. And now, I think the the interesting thing is was just all the cannabinoids and terpenes that we're observing. Um, I guess qu real quick, just to get back to to the Bob strain. So this is a metric. Oh, and actually, I'll talk about the one above since it's pertinent to you. So we we've been using this measure for diversity to kind of measure the cannabinoid or terpene diversity in your strains and sure enough bob does rank as one of your most diverse cannabinoid strains but what do you think about the lemon cherry sherbet sherbet because that one's even more on our by our measure um but i don't know what you know what which strains really jump out as, as you as as special um so you know i well the lemon cherry sherbet i uh i've cultivated that um through my personal hemp license and I've, i enjoyed watching that grow we actually got that genetics i don't know it, if it was by way of seed junkie via cookies um given that whole debacle that's going on but nonetheless I, I love the cultivar it's one of the things we found when we first started growing that lemon cherry sherbet that if we harvested it um, a little bit too early then a lot of the terpenes and and the aromas therewith would not um, weren't present and if you just waited a little bit longer you, you can really um, the plum smell comes out in the lemon cherry sherbet. It's definitely a colorful flower. Um, the, the effects are, are strong. It doesn't, doesn't have a lot of CBD in it, but um, I would probably say my favorite strain right now, I mean, we're just, well, just to provide you some perspective, we're, we're doing a 200 seed in cultivar pheno hunts, um, and a, and a month ago, we started a 100 seed 20 cultivar pheno hunt, and we're constantly rolling those out. So my, my favorite one today may not be the favorite one one tomorrow. Um, but what what I've done recently is, is taken our uh, gassed up strain and um, done a 50-50 mix of that with one of our uh, high thca strains um and that's that's the mac one that's that's the cut straight from capillator we're um doing some collaborations with him that are that are pretty cool but that, that's my favorite i guess that those are two strains is is the gassed up and um and and the mac one and the mac one it, it has kind of like a a bread a, a buttered bread smell it's not really that pungent 
but the effects, at least how it interacts with with my biome or my, my body, that that I, I really love it. Well, I'll I'll just point that one out, and we we can characterize it in some of these charts below, and then we'd love to start fielding some of the the questions from the audience to you. So here, here's just the MAC one. So of course, below the 0.3% threshold for Delta nine. And one thing actually, I've got to note that I actually kind of love about this is a thought I had was almost every other cultivator well, not every other cultivator, but a lot of cultivators out there, especially in states like here in Washington, they they just want to see really, really high, you know, THC numbers. Um, but in your book, you're more just okay. You know, we're we're happy if it's less than you know zero point three percent THC, and then you know you're happy. So that's what I kind of love about this is you know your 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 thca numbers they're what i would like to call realistic um you know as soon as you start seeing like 28 30 percent 33 percent thca i don't know it just it just starts to not be that believable to me um so I don't know. I, I would just like to, to point that one small bit out is your your THCA numbers are actually believable. Um, so I just think that's kind of a funny, funny quirk of the data. Yeah, we um, we we received a report from not our, our typical lab that we use um, and the THCA number Keegan, that came back was 46 percent. <laughs> and so, I mean, it, for those of you all that, that know testing and percentages, uh, there that's not real. <laughs> so we, um, we, we sent it in again, and I think it came back in the, in the, the low 20s. But to, the reason I say that is we could have put that 46% on the site, the COA, um, and it probably would have sold better than anything just because unfortunately with the with the market in the infancy stage that we're at um people are just you know gravitating to what's going to you know what has the highest thc or thca percentages and they're neglecting to look at the data when it comes to you know those alternative cannabinoids uh skunk butter i, I should have mentioned that one earlier that's a um a, a phenotype of uh, acdc power berry cross and from Thomas at uh, High Alpine Genetics in in, um, in Colorado, and I think our CBC number in that is about three percent, um, which is if you look on the you know the grand scheme of things, that's that's relatively high. And so I I like to promote that flower, um, you know, mainly because some of the studies that I've seen, and again I'm not doctor, I'm not claiming any um, accuracy to this. I don't have any, you know, personal tests to, to attest it. Um, but you know, the, the cancer fighting, um, agents that appear to be in CBC and CBG, uh, CB2 agonists, CBG that is, you know, um, it's, it's moving in a very positive direction. So whether you're doing it through RSO or, or just having a very diverse um, flower from a terpene and cannabinoid perspective, I, those are the flowers that, that that we're searching for whenever we're doing our in-house crosses and pheno hunts and bat crosses and stuff like that. I, I, I love that. And once again, these numbers are probably not 100% accurate just because of the way the data was extracted. But, you know, the... The THCV, you're getting that in about 24% of your sample. And then the CBC, um, CBCA about a third, and CBC maybe around half. And once again, 
that may or may not be accurate but those could be higher rates than once again your typical cultivator and once again that kind of brings me back to this metric here earlier so we were looking at the emerald cup and we did before i had got in contact with you i think we had designated your what is it um the blue meringue hemp as the most purple flower at the emerald cup um and in one of their categories there is the most diverse cannabinoid profile which keeps getting um this company keeps winning it with the pink lady but i don't know maybe maybe you could submit one of your highly diverse strains here and you know we could maybe do the math ahead of time and see if you've got a you know a chance at giving uh the pink lady a run for their money so yeah i think that was the because I, I listened to all that podcast it was very interesting the the pink boost uh oh, the pink boost that's that's right the pink boost goddess that's the one yeah i think you said it had like eight percent thcv in it and that's one of the things that i'm hunting right now i got a land race strength from ethiopia and um it's it's called black african magic from uh from core genetics if anybody wants to anybody's a grower out there but um that plant is very 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 purple <laughs> that's the name the the black kind of uh depicts how, how dark purple it is but that's i'm i'm hoping that that has a lot of the thcv components like the pink boost goddess that's common in you know some of those south african and african strains but yeah I'll, um we're we're happy to to send you any coas for any of our flowers you want to want to analyze after listening to that podcast of what you do with the data on the emerald cup i'm, I'm very intrigued with what you can do keegan <laughs> well, let's stay in touch and definitely do that because what you just brought up is kind of picking is kind of making uh me think here so one thing we do is we can take this image here of blue dream and we basically just categorize how purple the strain is and it was more just for fun but it kind of worked so for example in this report we identify by trop cherry as your most purple strain and once again it may have just been the only one um, analyzed but i want to say i looked at i looked at this one and i want here let's let's just do let's find it real quick um i want to say it was what you would consider a purple strain and we can use statistics and we could actually see yeah is the purpleness correlated with the thcv concentration um so i can't find it right now but uh oh well. um, we, so so anyways uh anyways let me just see if there's anything else that jumps out at me at this in this report and then why don't we start taking some some questions from the audience so uh, audience here i'm just going to just show you a quick snapshot of basically some of the major terpenes that are found in flow garden strains and then then field your best questions right Long story short is we have, or at least I haven't quite figured out the best way to look at, say, the terpene data, but I was reading this one paper, the phytochemical diversity of cannabis. We talked about it the other week, and they just basically list some interesting ways to look at the data. So I started to just use some of their ratios here, but they were saying that, oh, like alpha humulene and beta caryophylline may be generated by a similar process in the plant. Um, 
So basically, I'm just looking for outliers. So here's here's your Mac, right? And it's kind of an outlier as far as beta caryophylline and alpha humulene go. So I'm just going to run through here, see if we see any outliers. One thing that that kind of came up, uh, and I don't know if you want to say much about it, but for what whatever reason the 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 black ice didn't really get the the most positive review from the audience um and so i just kind of wanted to ask you about that one so was that like expected or um you just think you you like that profile but for whatever reason it had a bad reception or maybe the the reviews aren't characteristic so because it is an outlier but it may be like a you know not a good outlier so i i don't know just the just kind of another hard question but i guess kind of funny is why why do you think people don't like black ice <laughs> so. um that is a, a great question um i think i might know the answer from listening to our customers and our ladies in our uh, packaging and shipping room. Black Ice was actually um, our most, sorry, second most popular seller. Um, so maybe they do like it. And what I, the only thing I can attribute to that low ranking is, you know, it, it's Black Ice is, Black Ice is Mac 1 crossed with Oreos. And when you smell it, it has that, um, kind of buttery bread smell which is which is pretty faint um so it doesn't have a strong smell um if you're not if you're looking for a strong gassy um smell you're you're not going to get that from from black ice the effects uh, i thought were were pretty amazing um relative to some of the others in in the middle of the curve um but yeah i think it's has to do with the whole concept of smell cells um and the customers may not have been familiar with some of the underlying data with what is in that plant <laughs> well and it could just be as ruth mentioned that when people have strong reactions they're more likely to review and so it could just be it's a large it's a high seller so it may be doing well but maybe some people are having a really strong reaction to it so maybe for some people they're like oh wow that has a real <laughs> a real intense um, or overpowering smell and so maybe they're the ones you're hearing back from and maybe you're not hearing back from the people who had a pleasant time with it um, yeah that makes sense so so that so that's fun and then basically the the one last bit of data that i wanted to point out and i'll get to some of the comments is one of the relationships that we've looked at in the past is the relationship between beta pinene and d lemon we've under a sneaking suspicion that this may be like a biomarker of the cannabis plant that kind of falls in line with other biomarkers that people tend to kind of sometimes lump like the indica sativa in where like oh you know sativas have thin leaves so we're we were noticing that potentially sativas may have high beta pinene and low d lemon there may may or may not be anything to it but it, they're just terpenes that i like to look at but one thing i noticed was on your coas for whatever reason the laboratory is only measuring alpha pinene thankfully in the that paper the phytochemical diversity of cannabis they said there's a really strong correlation between alpha pinene and beta pinene so i just tossed alpha pinene up here on the y-axis but it's something that hey you may want to ask your laboratory if they want to measure beta pinene 
because it's it's a compound that that's measured a lot um, in other markets. But but so long story short, here is this is how I would try to pick apart if something's like an indica or a sativa. But I don't know. It's not. It doesn't look too too clear um, with your strains, but. Basically, my first guess would be like black ice would be what we would think of as like an indica type strain. Um, and sure enough, you've labeled it indica dominant. Um, and also like punch bread, flows, flows cookies, even the lemon vanilla OG. Those are all strains that I would kind of characterize as indica type strains. And curiously, so these are the ones that I would kind of classify more as the sativa. So like maybe your strawberry cough, which you'd have, and then maybe the cakeberry brulee. But curious, and then the orange glaze. So a lot of times these orange citrusy type strains kind of fall on the sativa side. But curiously, your Mac is over there too. So your max a real interesting strain because I don't normally think of max as being like on the sativa side really, but yours has a, a good amount of alpha pinene in it. Um, so, so I, I won't go too, too much more into that other than maybe just to ask you outright, like how do you go about classifying like sativa hybrid indica? Because it's something that, We've pondered about extensively in the group. Um, they even mentioned it in the, the that paper I would keep referring to that, oh, their argument is like terpene clusters, like something like this, where you, oh, you cluster your strains by say dominant terpene. Um, so, so they would say, oh, maybe you should use something like this, but, uh, but people just are familiar with sativa indica hybrid. It's just what people know and they use it. So I guess that's a kind of a big question for you is how do you go about assigning sativa indica hybrid and what, you know, what's your take on it? Yeah, that's a great question again, Keegan. Um, you know what? I had initially thought the easy way to do it do it would be just let's look at the leaf and is it a broad leaf or a narrow leaf um unfortunately it can't it's not that that simple with the plant being so hybridized um a lot of times we'll um look at what what the original breeder um has characterized it as and, and try and stay true to that um but we'll, we'll also have uh, if it's not a genetic that, that we've grown in-house, if it is a genetic that we've grown in-house, then we'll, we usually have in-house cannabis cups and um, we pull our employees and see what they, see how they feel about it. Um, you know, it, you mentioned, it's funny, you mentioned the strawberry cough. One of my friends um, got uh, a strawberry cough um, strain from, from California and she used it to sleep <laughs> and uh for those of y'all know strawberry cough and i know kyle cushman didn't breed it but he's probably one of the strongest proponents of it is that strain i, I cannot go to sleep anything close i can't even like think about taking a nap on that strain um so i it's it's the whole indica sativa hybrid conversation is is we, we i feel like we just need more science around to be accurate but we we try and use our best judgment is is an easy easy answer for you keegan <laughs> or is, is a short answer for you i can maybe shed a little light on that just from conversations i've had with a prior meetup member who who basically said that you know from uh, John Abrams at the CESC was telling me that just from what they've seen looking at just reported effects is 
there almost seems to be like depending on your biochemistry potentially an inverse response for some people and so this strawberry cough is actually one that i i think i'd be interested in myself so that's a terpenaline dominant strain if the data is correct and there's you it's known as a pretty harsh terpene and i think people can have maybe strong reactions against it i for one love terpenaline dominant strains um but as you mentioned different people like uh, <laughs> different uh different stocks for different folks um so for some people right it may just but you know put them to sleep uh so so lot, anyways I, I think that's funny because it's kind of in line with some of the anecdotes that we've kind of heard in that same chemicals polar different effects right right <laughs> the exact same compounds you know one person may feel energetic the other person may go to sleep um so that's I don't know. I, I think it's uh, it's thought provoking, right? Because it just kind of reminds us that there's still so much to learn, and really, what we're going on is, you know, it's one of those things where we're going on anecdotes, but. So I heard this joke the other day that saying that, you know, indica and sativa doesn't exist is kind of like hearing that, you know, vodka is a placebo. <laughs> you know, it it just, I don't know, like, are you sure? Um, so it, I think it's, so it's kind of like, a, it's kind of a joke, but at the same time, I think so. I forget who one of these rich billionaires was saying the other day that if you if you have two, you have data and anecdotes, and the data doesn't match the anecdote, then throw out the data. And so that's kind of what it, what we find ourselves trying, trying, trying so hard to do is how can we actually merge the data with the anecdotes because time and time again people keep using the indica sativa dichotomy or maybe it's a, a continuum so rather than just toss out these anecdotes you know wouldn't it be wild to try to find like the underlying chemistry of, to some of these effects so. That's a good point, Keegan. And there's something that I heard from a, a friend, I think it was just in the past week or two, that I hadn't really thought about. And that's the the overall health slash strength of one's endocannabinoid system. Because I feel like if someone's um, endocannabinoid system, you know, is, I guess you could call it depleted, then if they're using certain um, strains that have um, cannabinoids and or a combination of terpenes that will help boost the health of their system, the effects may be a lot stronger um, or even abnormal to what it, it would be to a normal endocannabinoid or I guess like an average health endocannabinoid system. So there, there's just so many factors and so much science and data that needs to be processed before, you know, we, uh, we can start answering some of these dichotomies that are out there <laughs> well in and then the final bit of anecdote and then i'll open it up to the audience is well it really makes you think so while i was kind of recovering this past week i actually was mixing in some of this wipeout in with um some, some of my usual smokes and i just find this this super super interesting because your normal high thc flower 
I, uh, once again, looking at that paper, I want to say the re regular levels of CBD in these type one flowers is minuscule, like like, yeah. like 0.3%, just this tiny, tiny little bit of CBD. And it could be that maybe if you overconsume high THC flour, hey, hey, maybe mixing in a little bit of high CBD flour may kind of help balance things out because this is just such a different chemical profile. It's right, like just a whole magnitude level different of CBD instead of like 0.1%, you're at, you have uh, like a, a hundred times that, right? You've got 10%. Um, so, so that's, yeah. So I'll, I'll let you, you maybe share your, your thoughts about uh, some of your high CBD strains and then let me look at the audience's thoughts and comments and then we can, um, yeah, I think, well, our, um, I think our overall highest uh, CBD strain is grapefruit. Um, and that, if you were to characterize it as sativa it's, uh, or indica, it's definitely a sativa. So if you're looking for, for high CBD, that's a great overall strain that's, that's, um, that's available. Um, one of the things that's encouraging to me when you look at... The, all the customers and consumers on the market is we have about 20,000 customers and we get a um, material amount of sales that um, are type three flowers, i.e. CBD dominant um, coming from legal states um, like uh, California, Colorado, Washington. And that tells me if they're ordering flower online from Tennessee and they're in California that they understand the data that's underlying that they understand the plan a lot better and um, I think that's probably one of the most encouraging things because consumer education when it comes to this plant um, is not anywhere near where it, where it needs to be and that's one of the reasons why I was so excited to come on on your podcast is uh, you, you know a little bit about data. <laughs> and, and I, I'll maybe put together, so there's many, many good thoughts and comments here. A lot of the talk on terpenes has gotten people real interested, but I actually want to really drive the point home that you just made is, hey, people can shop for hemp online and get what they're looking for. If you're in California and, you know, your regulators have messed up the market there and you can't actually get CBD products at a reasonable price at a retailer, yet there's a cultivator, they're following all the rules that a typical hemp producer has to follow. You're getting the products tested and hey, they can get some of the things they're looking for. Maybe they want one of these high CBD strains. Maybe they want a type two, or maybe they want some blue dream and it's less than 0.3% delta 9 THC. And if everyone doesn't mind, then why shouldn't they just be able to get the cannabis they want as easily as that? And I just think this would just be almost cosmic justice where I mean, let's be frank, for the longest time, cannabis has been flowing through gray or sometimes illegal black market channels from states like 
California, Oregon, Washington to the East Coast. And from my experience, people on the East Coast, they like cannabis just fine. We just happen to have these weird dra draconian laws and politicians almost from an old era. But these days, people don't really think twice about it. No one's um, that that judgmental if you want to partake in cannabis. And in fact, a lot of people on the East Coast are partaking in it. And why not participate in the fun? If it, it turns out cannabis has been legal for six years now and we barely even knew it, then why not get a hemp license, grow your favorite genetics in a compliant way, and engage in commerce and if the west coasts want to to you know drop the the pot on their foot and charge these ridiculous high uh, these ridiculously high taxes and have these cumbersome licensing rules then they're just going to get out competed by cultivators in tennessee So I just, I just have the the biggest smile on my face. The other week when I was recovering and I was enjoying some high CBD wipeout, I had the biggest smile on my face. This was hemp that was grown in Tennessee that I'm enjoying perfectly legally here in Washington and I'm better off for it. And so why not just let people live better lives? Why not let people engage in commerce? Why not let people grow their favorite cannabis varieties? So I absolutely love what you're doing, David. I think it's, it's a noble mission. I love your passion. I love how you're moving everything forward, and I love how you're cultivating cannabis at the end of the day. I I just see this as just a complete victory story. So that's that's my review of of your high CBD strain wipeout. Is it tastes like victory? <laughs> well, thank you. That's. Uh... It's duly, duly noted and, and greatly appreciated. And Keegan, if you ever, you know, want to try out any of our strains, then just just shoot me a note, and I'll be glad to to, to send them over. It's open invitation. So um, we're uh, our and it. I'm not doing a lot of this. This, you know, I'm only one person. We have about 33 people in our company. Um, and our founders, the one that's way more experienced than, than I am when it comes to growing the plant. But we're, we're mad scientists here trying to, um, you know, find that golden egg and crack the code and educate the consumer, you know, try and do as much as we can with what we have. <laughs> well, I think there's some people listening in that are interested in being testers for this pheno hunt that you're conducting so i think i think you've sparked a lot of interest all around once again the the high thc cannabis of course it's it's got its controversy but i i love what you're doing i i hope the audience has learned a lot about your company learned at least the cool genetics that you're able to cultivate there in Tennessee. And if any of you want to, to learn more about cultivating hemp, you know, getting a hemp license, how do you pick genetics? How do you go about testing? Then if it's okay, David, then maybe they could reach out to you because it seems like 
you know a lot about this and we think only scraped the surface today yeah absolutely and um i can i can take that a, a step further too keegan um for all y'all that are on here and i think joe maybe had to hop off or maybe he got back on um if y'all uh email me your um name and address we can uh send you uh we will send you a uh we can do like a type one, two, and three little sample pack. Um, and I will be glad to send that out. I just put my email in the chat, Ruth. Thanks for that. I, people call me Captain Obvious sometimes because I don't <laughs> remember the easy things. Um, that's, that's brilliant. Everyone, email David at flowgardens.com and hey mention whether you're an indica or sativa lover maybe mention some of your favorite terpenes yeah. or if you were able to make any sense out of some of the statistics that we showed today maybe what strain you'd be interested in trying so show flow gardens some love check out their website email david and Let's give David a huge round of applause today for advancing cannabis science. I think this has been phenomenal. So thank you, David. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all. And, and thanks for having me and allowing me to talk to, to your community and, and your people. You're always welcome, David. And just to essentially be respectful of everybody's time, I think I'll go ahead and close it out for today, but there's always an open invitation. Um, so if you ever want to to come back, you're always welcome to tune into the meetup, come back and share some more tips and tricks about growing hemp or really anything at all. It's been a pleasure having you here today, David. Thank you. All right. See you all later. On Have that note, day. thank you all for advancing cannabis science. Thank you. Mm -hmm.